Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. What tool does a vulture use to open an egg? The answer next on today's Creation Moment. And now, here's our Creation Moments host, Ian Taylor. School textbooks continue to claim that man is the only animal to use tools. Of course, speaking this way not only identifies man as merely another animal, but completely ignores the fact that man was made in the image of God, and thus has moral responsibilities. However, Man, the tool user argument supporting evolution has been quietly shot down as science continues to discover a growing number of animal tool users. One of the latest creatures to be added to the list is the Egyptian vulture. About the size of a raven, the Egyptian vulture loves to eat the eggs of other birds. However, to get at the contents of the egg, the bird searches for a suitable stone to drop on the egg and break it open. While these stones are usually just large enough to do the job, the vultures have been recorded dropping stones that weigh over a pound. They hit their target about 50% of the time. The fact that there are animals that use tools shows that this evolutionary definition of man totally fails to describe what we really are. Tool using is not some evolutionary development. According to the Bible, when Adam and Eve were sent out of the Garden of Eden, they were given the task of tilling the ground, showing that man was a tool user from the very beginning. For more information, visit us online at creationmoments.com. You'll find both written and audio transcripts, creation-focused articles and Bible studies, and many other resources, all at creationmoments.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-800-42-BIBLE. And be sure to join us next time for another Creation Moment, proclaiming evidence of God's truth. Is work a high calling? Andy said, yeah, if you're Bill Gates or Bono, if you have millions of dollars to fight disease or feed the hungry. From Andy's perspective, work was work, period especially since company downsizing had lowered his position and pay. So this verse broadsided him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Whoa! Andy had seen those words before, but when circumstances were much different. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. In Colossians 3, Paul lays it out. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For Andy, that reminder became a game changer. Those simple words return us all to the high calling of our daily work. Citizens of America, this is a message from FeedThePig.org. Americans spent more money than they earned in 2005. 
This is the first negative savings rate in the U.S. since the Great Depression. America, we must start feeding the pig. On the 1st and the 15th, we must pay ourselves before we pay anyone or anything. We must make a budget. Even consider cutting up a credit card. Log on to feedthepig.org today. Find the benefits of saving for every stage of life. Brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Yet Council. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and at Johnny and Friends, we are all about access. Yes, even to people with visual impairments. For years, Lisa did a remarkable job of translating our newsletters into Braille every month, and then sending them out to 60 friends on our ministry list who are blind. Lisa's was a quiet, unheralded, yet remarkable service in the kingdom of Christ. But unfortunately, she recently lost her battle against cancer, and now she is home with the Lord. But I look forward to that day when I will stand next to her and hear the Savior say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, what a joy it'll be to see her service richly rewarded and to see the, quote, eyes of the blind unopened of all those she served so diligently. God is a tender spot for people who serve in a quiet and an unheralded way. Need some ideas on how you can serve that way among the disabled? Then visit us at johnnyandfriends.org. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. Yes. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day yes. this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners, Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream.
And good morning, just early morning, Dr. Cook. Program, morning, morning inspirations here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. Our morning scripture is coming from the 15th division of Psalm, Psalm 15, verses, verse 1. Lord, let's see if this way, 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Go ahead and read the 
Micaiah 15th chapter. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. And 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 whose and whose eyes a vile person is determined is is contempt but he honors them with that with that fear of the Lord. He that swears to his to his own hurt and changes not. He that putteth not out his money into earthly nor take take of reward against the innocent. He that doeth these do these things shall never be removed. I read to you the fifteenth division of Psalms in its entirety. The word of God for the people of God, one scripture of the day. Good morning to all to you and yours. Money prayer coming up at the bottom of the hour.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for waking us up right this morning. Start us on our way. Lord, forgive us any sins that we've done, knowing you are not right. Have mercy, Lord. When we lift up those, Lord, who, who are in hospital and hospice and nursing homes everywhere, Lord, don't push our prison walls. Lord, we lift up our children to you, Lord. We lift up those children who are who don't have any children, who don't have any uh, parents. And we lift, we lift them up to this world, Lord. We lift up those who who are in need, be it financially, be it physically. And we lift them up to this world, Lord. We lift up our friends, our neighbors, those we don't know, Lord. We lift up every pastor, every minister. Go bring the word today. We lift up those, Lord, who, who are persecuted in other countries. We lift them up to you as well, Lord. We lift up those, Lord, who don't know your part of their sins. And we pray that, Lord, that before the day is over, that you will know, they will get to know you in part of their sins. We lift them up to you as well, Lord. We lift up those, Lord, who are behind prison walls. We lift up our men and women armed forces, men and women in uniform, EMTs, our police officers, the firefighters.
We'll be back at the top of the hour. Did you? 
hypocrite, you failure, you should never show your sorry face in church again. You should just give it up. Don't even bother reading the Bible. Don't even think about praying. You have failed. You have fallen short. And then he stands there before God and he says, did you see what that person just did? Are you going to let them get away with that? No doubt when David sinned, the devil was there accusing him. Lord, or he wouldn't refer him to it in that way. God, did you see what David just did? This man after your own heart, as you like to call him, he sinned against you. He committed adultery. He tried to cover it up with murder. Are you going to let him get away with that? Or when Simon Peter sinned, no doubt the devil was there. Did you see what Peter just did? He denied you three times. Were you listening, God? Now, let's understand something. When we sin, we often experience something called guilt. This is not necessarily a bad thing. As we move ahead in the series, we're going to talk about what sin is, and we'll get into this. But guilt is not a bad thing because it is a reaction to something that has happened in our life that usually is not right. But there can be good guilt and bad guilt. Guilt can be something like our body, when it feels pain, it alerts us and tells us not to proceed any further. You're stepping on a sharpened piece of glass. Uh, that asphalt is hot. Uh, you know, and if that signal goes up and it tells you either to find a place of shade or to get some shoes on or to take the necessary precautions so you will not bring greater pain upon yourself. Guilt kicks in when we've done something wrong. It's the body's warning system, or rather I should say it's a moral warning system saying this is not good. And the devil can use guilt to drive us to despair, to drive us to condemnation. So when you've sinned, and I don't say if you sinned, I say when. Because even the most committed Christian will have his or her moments of sin. I wish I could say it was not true. We all will sin eventually. But it's important that we distinguish between Satan's accusation and the Spirit's conviction. A feeling of guilt and shame is not a bad thing if it comes from the Spirit of God. But if it drives us to despair and hopelessness, We've listened to the wrong voice. Listen, when the Spirit of God convicts you, makes you aware of your sin, He uses the Word of God in love and brings you back into fellowship with your Heavenly Father. But in contrast, when Satan accuses you, he uses your own sins in a hateful way and seeks to make you feel helpless and hopeless. I want you to listen to that again. When the Spirit of God convicts you, He uses... God's word in love to bring you back into fellowship with the Father, but in contrast, when Satan accuses you, he uses your own sin in a hateful way and seeks to make you feel helpless and hopeless. The devil wants to drive you to despair. He wants you to experience regret and remorse, but never repentance. He wants you to be accused over and over again so you will focus your attention on yourself and your sins. And as long as you are feeling guilty, you are under indictment and you are moving further and further away from the Lord. But in contrast, God's Spirit says, this displeases God. It's wrong, but I love you. Come back to the cross. Judas Iscariot listened to the devil. And he went out and he hung himself. In contrast, Peter looked into the face of Jesus and wept bitterly, but later came back in the fellowship of Christ. Remember this simple truth that summarizes it. Satan will always seek to drive you away from the cross, 
but the Holy Spirit will always draw you to the cross. So you have a choice. The next time you sin, you can either say, that's it, it's hopeless for me, I might as well give up, or you can come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I've fallen short, help me, I'm sorry, I repent, forgive me again. You're not worthy to approach God. Do you think God would hear your prayers after what you have just done? Now, wait a second. Understand this. My access to God has nothing to do with what I've done and everything to do with what he has done and what he is doing. My access to God has nothing to do with what I've done. I don't have more access to God when I've done well. In other words, if I've read my Bible today and I've prayed and I've done all the things that seem to Oh, now God will hear my prayers, but if tomorrow I fail to read, I fail to pray, and I slip up, oh, now I can't go to God's presence, I've lost access. No, access is always through what Christ has done, through the shed blood that took place on the cross of Calvary. Go back to that courtroom scene we mentioned briefly. There's Joshua standing condemned like we do when we sin. Satan goes in for the kill, and suddenly is stopped in his tracks. Why? God says, this one is mine. They are a brand plucked from the fire. God steps in, says, hands off. This one belongs to me. You can't touch them. You can't touch them. They're mine. It's illustrated by Jesus when he said to Peter, Satan has been asking that you be taken out of the chain of prayed for you. Our defense against the accusations of the devil is the interceding Son of God, our representative. Our advocate, our defense attorney, if you will. First John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Romans 8, 33, 13, So bring any charge against God's elect. Is it not God who justifies? So who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who has raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. So yes, it is true that the devil is there accusing us, but it's also true that Jesus is there interceding for us, saying, back off. They're a brand plucked from the fire. They belong to me. You say, oh, but I'm not worthy to go to God. Can I be blunt with you? You never were worthy. You never will be worthy. On your best day, you weren't even close to being worthy. So get rid of the thinking that says, I must be worthy to approach God. You'll never be worthy. I have been made acceptable to God through what Christ did for me on the cross. I've been made acceptable in the Beloved. It's because of Jesus that I can come. He has made me worthy because I have said in my place. Let the devil drive you away from Perhaps some of you have come to this service today, and there is sin in your life that is un- There are things in your life that need to be resolved. There are things that you have done against God that you know are wrong, and you've just let them lie. It's time to deal with them. It's time to come and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry for what I've done. And be reconnected with him today. If you need to do that, I'll give you an opportunity to I mentioned earlier that I was going to tell you something the devil does not want you to The devil was soundly defeated at the cross of Calvary. How he hates this truth. How he would love to loom large 
in our minds and imagination and stand there as though he were the equal of God himself. But we know from our other messages that the devil is limited in what he can do. We know that his judgment is sure, and we know that a decisive blow is dealt against him and his minions at the cross. Prior to his crucifixion on the cross, Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, when he came, is convicted judgment. And then he explained of judgment because the prince of this world is God, speaking of Satan. Then, through his death on the cross, Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You say, now wait a second, if Jesus destroyed him, if he dealt this blow against him, why is it that we still see Satan on his on the scene doing his dirty work? Because God has allowed it. And there were no more temptations. It would be nice if we no longer had to observe evil, and that day will come. But until that day, we must recognize this is a temporary situation. He about the devil's antics in the last days. He says he does these things because he days are numbered, or he knows that the end is coming. In other words, the devil knows the judgment is sure, so he's seeking to wreak as much havoc as possible until that final day. The devil knows that Christ is going to come back. The devil knows he's going to be judged and dealt with and cast into the lake of fire. He's trying to make as much trouble until that day. Liberal theologians don't believe it. The devil does believe that Jesus is indeed coming back. But we know that he's been dealt with at Calvary, and we know that when we put our faith in Christ, we came under God's protection. Jesus has told us that his Father is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck us out of the Father's hand. When Jesus cried out those words at the cross of Calvary, it is finished, no doubt they reverberated through both heaven and hell. No doubt the angels heard as well as the demons, because those three words, that it's over with. Your stranglehold in humanity is stopped. Christ has now accomplished the purpose he came to accomplish. The phrase that is finished can also be translated, it is accomplished. What was accomplished? The work the Father had given him to do. Jesus supplied principalities and powers of power. It's a handwriting of ordinances that was against us out of the way, nailing us to the cross. All the accusations against us, all of the condemnation against us was put upon Jesus so we don't have to live under it any longer. Now listen. Therefore, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Sometimes you hear Christians say, Oh, God, give me victory. Lord, help me with this sin. I need your victory. As though they're waiting for some emotional surge to come on them that's going to deliver them once and for all. Listen, you don't have to fight for it. You fight from it. God has given you this victory already at the cross. It's yours to what he has done. So instead of saying, Lord, give me the victory, you should say, Lord, thank you. I have the victory. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you won't give me more than I can handle. Thank you, Lord, that I have everything that I need in you right now. And I need to start utilizing. Lose sight of one vital truth. Not us versus the powers of hell. Not our personal world 
were simply soldiers under command, under the direction of our Commander-in-Chief, Jesus Christ, the Captain of our salvation. It's for us to do what he tells us to do. Now he's told us in this battle to suit up. We need to put on the armor of God. And I would like to close by identifying a key that we need to aggressively utilize. Something that will work when temptation comes. Read about it in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies and deceits of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all the sin. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to cleanse all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Time does not permit me pieces of armor I'd like to. But we know that each piece of armor plays a significant part. But may I point out to you that there is only one piece of armor that is listed that is primarily offensive as well as defensive, and that is In other words, when I go into battle, I don't beat my enemy with my shield, or try to defeat him with my belt, or chase him down with my sandal, or throw my helmet at him. I pull the sword out of the sheath and I use it. And so, we're told, take up the sword of the Spirit. And when you are tempted, the most effective weapon that God has given to you as a Christian is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is modeled for us so beautifully by Jesus during his temptation in the wilderness. Whereas the devil levels temptation after temptation at him, Jesus uses the sword of the Spirit. It is written, it is written, it is written. The devil says, why don't you turn a rock into a piece of bread? I know you're hungry, Jesus said. It is written, man cannot live but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil says, well, why don't you worship me right now? Jesus responds, it is written, you shall worship the Lord God only. Him only shall you serve. Well, why don't you cast yourself off from here? And the angels will catch you, Satan says. Quoting scripture out of context, Jesus responds, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. The sword of the Spirit, it works. You may be talking to someone. You may quote the Bible. Well, you know the Bible says, Well, hold on, I don't believe in the Bible. Oh, is that true? That's right, I don't believe the word in it. And have you read the Bible? Well, uh, I have. But it's full of contradictions. Really? And I have one right here. I would love to find one of those contradictions. Why don't you show me one? Well, I know they're in there somewhere. Well, here's what the Bible says. Well, I don't believe in the Bible. Well, what are you going to do? Stop quoting it to me? That's like going into battle and you pull your sword out and your opponent says, I don't believe in your sword. How's that? I don't believe that sword is like real me. That's like your truth. Okay, I don't accept your truth. My truth is that sword is not God. I'll tell you what, Dr. Lewis, after I've left for a few times, you'll know it's real. 
God says his word will not return void. I don't care if a person believes it or if they don't. It won't return void. And it will prosper in the place where God sends it. So you use the sword of the Spirit. You pull it out. Not to beat people over the head with it. Not to decapitate the person you're speaking with. Think of the sword more like a scalpel in the hand of a talented surgeon. Seeking to bring life, not death. Seeking to liberate, not bring into bondage. Bringing the truth of God's word to a person. How wonderful it is to use this sword. Now listen, the devil knows the Bible too. Budget incident that happened with great comedian W.C. Fields reading the Bible. Now, Fields was known to be an alcoholic, a womanizer, certainly not a man who was a student in Scripture. And someone was shocked to see W.C. Fields reading the Bible. They say, why would you, W.C. Fields, read the Bible? His response was, looking for loopholes. Well, you might say that the devil has been reading the Bible for a long time, looking for loopholes. I know that was not a good imitation, but... We weren't charged anything to come here today. But you see the man. The devil quotes scripture. And I've I've seen the devil beat Christians down with passages taken out of context. The cults do this with great effect. Distorting the truth of scripture. A little bit of truth. Immersed in deceit and lies to mislead people. I ran into a guy the other day after I preached. Came up to me after the service. Really looked distressed, forlorn, dark circles under his eyes. I really need to talk to you. I said, I think I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Really? Why is that? He says, Well, you know, I read the Bible that if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it's the unforgivable sin. And I think that before I was a Christian, uh, I had done that. I probably insulted the Spirit at one time or another, and I think I blasphemed him, so I don't think I'm saved. I don't think I'm forgiven. I think I'm going to hell. And I said, really? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He says, yes, I do. I said, do you believe he died on the cross for your sin? Yes, he said. I said, have you turned from your sin and asked for God's forgiveness? He said, yes. I said, then you have a blasphemy. Because, you see, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is rejecting the work that the Spirit has come to do. And according to Jesus, when he has come, speaking of the Spirit, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit has come to show us our need for Christ and to bring us to the Savior. To blaspheme him is work altogether. It's not to throw off some insult and ignorance in our days of non-belief. We probably blasphemed everything in that time. No, it's to reject his work wholesale. It's to say, I don't want God's forgiveness, and that is the only unforgivable sin. All other sin will be forgiven, except the man or the woman that says, I don't want Christ in my life, because then the Bible says, how can you escape if you neglect the greatest salvation? I said, you've not done that. Here you are saying that you believe in him, you put your trust in him, you're following him. And I said, on the authority of God's word, I say to you, God has forgiven you of your sin. You have not blasphemed this spirit. It was like a burden was lifted off of this spirit. His friend came up to me a week later and said, you know what I was You see, the devil had twisted the word and used it to beat him down. And it was wonderful to take God's word in its context. 
the devil will come to you when you've sinned, and he'll say, you failed. You've sinned. You've gone too far. There's no forgiveness to you. And you pull the sword out of his teeth and you say, it is written. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Touche! <laughs> there you go. Oh, the devil says, you're wrong. God condemns you. Ah, you're wrong. Because Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Touche! You strike again. The devil says, no way. You're going to fall again. You're mine. I'm going to take you down. No, you're wrong. It is written, John 10, 28, Jesus said, I will give them eternal life, and neither shall they perish, nor any man pluck them out of my hand. It is written, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will complete it under the day of Jesus Christ, and you thrust again. It's the word of God. Use it. Because temptation is going to come your way. Amen. And when we know the word, we can deflect the blows that come against us. And the word of God. This is why we must commit scripture to memory. It's been said, a well-worn Bible is usually the sign of a life that is or another way it was put, a Bible that is falling apart is usually the sign of a life that is not falling apart. I like to see beat up Bibles. You know, Bibles that are, are marked up and they, they've got, they're just coming apart. Now, that's a good thing. I hope you use it. I hope you don't blow you that thing. Yeah, I think you ought to make a preacher's Bible. I've mentioned this. I've talked to some of these guys who make Bibles. They can make a preacher's Bible. We need to put, like, steel binding in Because we preachers, we give our Bibles for a sense. You know, the Bible says, oh, the poor Bible. It's just it beat the poor thing. And let me tell you, the Bible is taking it all over the place, holding it up and doing this kind of stuff. You know. Why do we do that? I don't know. We probably think it looks good or something. But don't just shake your Bible or beat it or point to it. Read it and memorize it and hide it in your heart. It's good to carry a Bible in your purse or in your briefcase, but the best place to hide the Word of God is in your heart. And as the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, Psalm 119.11. Then in Psalm 37.31, the psalmist said, The law of God is in his heart, and his steps do not slip. Hide it in your heart. Know it. And when temptation comes, you can use it to defend yourself, and when opportunities come, you use it to share the truth, the gospel with those that do not know. Remember, the enemy tries to drive us away through accusation. The word of God always brings us back to the Remember, the devil has been defeated. His days are numbered, and he can do nothing in the life of the Christian without the permission of God. Because God has given us his word to both deflect attack and strike blows to the kingdom. So unsheath your sword, Christian. Stop being beaten down. The next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the victory we have in you. Not a victory we must seek to attain, but has been given through your shed blood. Lord, we're never worthy to speak to you. We're never worthy to approach you. But because of what you have done for us, not what we have done for you, we have access. 
And your word has said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time. During our times of sin and weakness, that is not when we should run away from you. That is when we should run to you. Lord, if there are any here today that need to get their lives right, help them to do it now. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
The First Amendment reads, The people shall not be deprived of their right to speak. The odds are the person you just heard is an African-American. Because African-Americans are twice as likely to suffer a stroke as white Americans. That's twice as likely a stroke could rob you of the freedom to speak your mind. Help beat the odds. Call 1-888-4-STROKE or go online to strokeassociation.org. Join the power to end stroke. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Jesus Christ. He is the creator. Answers with Ken Ham, president of the Apologetics Ministry of Answers in Genesis. Every once in a while I'm asked, how can Jesus be the creator when the Bible says that God created everything? Well, the Bible tells us clearly in several places that Jesus Christ is the creator. Colossians chapter 1 states that Jesus is the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, and that all things were created through him and for him. And the book of John opens by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to say that all things were made by this Word. A few verses later, John tells us that the Word became the God-man, Jesus Christ. Sadly, many Christians tend to think of Jesus as New Testament only. Well, he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, but he was there in the first verse of the Bible, In the beginning, God. You know, as we think about Christ at this time of the year, Let's also praise him for being our creator. God's incredible creation is the theme of our next year's Striking Wall calendar. Call us toll-free at 1-888-89-ANSWERS, and next month you'll have a beautiful wall calendar that's also a great witnessing tool. This calendar is yours for a donation of any amount. Call toll-free 1-888-89-ANSWERS, 888-89-ANSWERS, or on the web at AnswersOffer.org. Hi, this is Donnie McClurgan, and I've got a personal note that I'd really like to drop in your spirit today. I want you to understand the blessings of God and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial, but the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, The blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. Blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
this is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
people are those who have unconfessed sin and rebellion in their heart against God. And Cain is the perfect example. Cain had not only been created by God, he had been created for God. Genesis 4.16 says, But Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Sin in the presence of a holy, righteous God must either be confessed and cleansed, or the sinner must leave God's presence. What a tragedy. Cain's life illustrates the hard lesson. If you refuse to turn to God in repentance, 
guilt will drive you away from him. Think about it. Bitterness rooted in resentment and rebellion can impact a family for generations to follow. Cain's descendants were notorious for their wickedness. Don't leave the presence of God. Confess your sin now. Your descendants will be blessed. This is Ann Graham Lodge. License and registration. But I'm walking. Do you want to upset an officer of the law? No, sir. Good. I pulled you over today for littering. Uh, I didn't litter. <laughs> wow. That's what they all say. Unfortunately, I saw you drop a pair of thunder thighs a few blocks back. Probably happened as you were biting into that apple you're holding. Uh, how did you know they're my thunder thighs? Well, my young friend, I'd like to say two years, and the police academy helped figure it out. But between us, it was smallstep.gov. Smallstep.gov? Yeah, Peruni. It's this site with tons of easy ways to lose weight. Some steps are so easy, people don't realize they're doing them. Like you taking small step number 83, snack on fruits. Go to smallstep.gov, you'll see. You can drive off now. I'm still walking. Take a small step to get healthy at smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Donna got up on the wrong side of the bed. She snapped at her husband for singing. She snapped at her assistant over a memo. She snapped at her colleagues just because. What finally snapped Donna up out of her snit? A voice on the radio. As she was changing stations, she heard a line from the Psalms. This is the day the Lord has made. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. Bad moods happen. What we do with them and what we do to others is our decision. However you woke up today, this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice in the high calling of our daily work. For more information, visit ourdailywork.org. What are the limitations of a Christian counselor. With a word of caution for today's pastors, here's attorney David Gibbs Jr. of the Christian Law Association. Christian counselors are advised to be cautious when using the term license in any advertisement on any stationery and any informed consent, such as a client agreement. Some states legally now regulate the use of the term license in regard to counseling and it would prohibit you from using that term even if you've received that form of certification from the National Council of Christian Counselors. The Christian Law Association suggests that you explain in your client agreement that you are not licensed by the state, but you provide biblical counseling under an exemption to the law and will not address clinical issues. That's the key term clinical issues. For best protection, always use the Bible, scripture, and prayer in your counseling session. And do not give the impression that you are providing guidance outside of biblical principles. Instant answers to many of your legal questions. That's what you'll find when you go online to christianlaw.org. That's christianlaw.org. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. 
anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Saved. Saved. ask you friends in closing tonight have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? Or how will you escape? If you neglect so great, so
sending them out to 60 friends on our ministry list who are blind. Lisa's was a quiet, unheralded, yet remarkable service in the kingdom of Christ. But unfortunately, she recently lost her battle against cancer, and now she is home with the Lord. But I look forward to that day when I will stand next to her and hear the Savior say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, what a joy it'll be to see her service richly rewarded and to see the, quote, eyes of the blind unopened of all those she served so diligently. God is a tender spot for people who serve in a quiet and an unheralded way. Need some ideas on how you can serve that way among the disabled? Then visit us at johnnyandfriends.org. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. Oh, when he was, when Jesus 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.